Thanks for joining us on this last Sunday of 2021. In the midst of a difficult year, today we look back to remember the many ways God was at work in our church and in our lives. Thanks for joining us. So how many of you, show of hands, will make or have made New Year's resolutions? Any New Year's resolution people? It's fine. It's safe. It's okay. It's okay to make resolutions. Yeah. Yeah. So many this time of year, we're thinking ahead, right? We're thinking ahead. What do I want to see different going into the new year? But today, Today, I want us to to change our perspective just a a little bit. I want to invite you to think about entering into the new year in a different way. I want to talk about walking into the new year backwards. The Bible is filled with God instructing his people to remember. And today, I want to look at a specific story in the Bible that captures the significance of remembering as we move forward. It's a story of God's faithfulness. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua is the fifth book in the Bible, so right towards the beginning. You can get that on your device. If you don't have a Bible, we have black Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. Uh, Joshua chapter 4 can be found on page 171 of those Bibles. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that home with you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's word. But Joshua chapter four. And as you're making your way there, I wanna set the context for you of what's going on in the Bible in Joshua four. And to understand what's going on in Joshua four, we need to know what's come before Joshua chapter four. So kids in the room and adults, you might know this, but kids particularly, I'm gonna attempt to give you the two minute summary of the Old Testament. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Listen, God had revealed himself to a people called the Israelites. They were his people, but they turned their backs on God and they ended up as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. But God had promised, he had promised them to rescue them and to give them a land of their own. And Moses was the person he chose to lead them to do that. So God sent Moses to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go, 10 times. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he ignored them. And then God sent the 10 plagues. And after the 10 plagues, God led his people out of Egypt toward the promised land, the land that they had been promised 500 years earlier. And the event of leaving slavery is called the Exodus. Most of us have heard that. And it's one of the most important stories in the entire Bible. And arguably the high point of the Exodus is when the Israelites are trapped between the Red Sea and the approaching Egyptian army and God splits the water and the people walk through on dry ground. Amazing miracle. But it didn't stop there. God's people were witnesses to amazing event after amazing event. They gathered at Mount Sinai and they saw the presence of God on the mountain in smoke and fire. They were given the 10 commandments to establish the relationship between God and his people. He led them towards the promised land. And even when they disobeyed him over and over again, he gave them food and water that they needed every day. Through the good times and the bad, God was faithful to his people. And that's where we are today. This is where we pick up. I want to pick up the story of God's people on the banks of the Jordan River. 
The 40 years of wandering in the desert are ending, and they're finally ready to enter the promised land. The only problem is in Joshua chapter 3, the chapter right before where we are today, says that the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. So it's, it's harvest, it's flood stage, and the Israelites are standing. They've been promised this land. They're standing at this water again, and this is what it might have looked like. You step into the Jordan during this flood stage, and you are gone. You are washed away. But we're told that the priests stepped in the river, carrying the ark, which symbolizes the presence of God, and the water split again. Just like they did in the Red Sea, the people walked through on dry ground, not even muddy ground, but on dry ground. Another amazing miracle. And then God tells the people to do something I find very interesting. Let me read Joshua chapter four, verses one to seven. You can follow in your Bibles or on the screen. We'll read the last line together, but this is Joshua chapter four. This happens after what we just talked about in that quick summary. It says here, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And then would you read this with me, the last sentence? These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, anytime you read the Bible, and we, we so want you to be in God's word every day. So when you're reading God's word, a good practice to ask is this question. Why is this story in here? What would we be missing if this wasn't in the Bible? Why is chapter four in here? Why not just give the great miracle at the end of chapter three and then go on to chapter five where God's people start taking the land and the great battle of Jericho? Why these stones? Why this altar? Why chapter four? Here's why I believe this chapter's in the Bible and why this is so important. God wanted his people to remember who he was and how he had worked in their lives. God wanted his people to remember that he was faithful to them. So God told his people to build an altar. The verse calls the altar a sign. A sign is a visible object that authenticates something. It authenticates it. And in this situation, the altar was a visual reminder that authenticated that God performed a great miracle for his people at the Jordan. And he was faithful to his promise to give them entry into the land. I believe God told his people to build an altar because he knew his people 
were going to endure difficult times in the future, and he knew that if they could look back on his faithfulness in the past, it would give them confidence in the future. So please notice this altar, this memorial. It wasn't just about looking back, though. It was about looking forward. God wanted the people to not only look back and remember and think about his faithfulness, but he wanted them to pass it on to their children and their grandchildren. In verse six, it says, when your children ask you, it's not an if they ask you, but when they ask you, when they ask you about that, when they ask you about those stones, when they ask you about your faith, and they ask, what do they mean? They were to tell of God's work in that place and how he was faithful. There's this great quote I read by Pastor Mark Batterson in Washington, D.C. that summarizes how the Israelites were to live their lives. This is so good. He wrote, the Israelites were called to walk, as it were, backwards into the future. I love that. I love it because it reminds us that God's past performance is the best indicator of his future faithfulness. And that is why God's people were to build an altar at the Jordan. So what does that mean for us though, right? Like that's great. These Israelites, thousands of years ago, they built an altar. Here's what it means for us. If the Israelites struggled to remember God's faithfulness, I think it's fair to believe that we will too. And forgetting the faithfulness of God has some pretty big consequences. I'll go as far as to say the primary reason we waver or lose our faith is because we forget the faithfulness of God. The primary reason we wander away from God is because we forget his goodness and faithfulness. And our loss of memory of God's faithfulness in the past affects our obedience in the present, and it affects our ability to endure whatever life may bring in the future. Maybe that's why the word remember is repeated almost 250 times in scripture, because we have a tendency to forget, just like the Israelites. So for our remaining time together, I want to figuratively build an altar. I want us to practice this remembering together because although it was a hard year, God was faithful and he was at work in many ways in all age groups in our church family. And it is, it is worth it to pause and remember and celebrate those times and walk backwards into 2022. And this is a little bit different than something we normally do. We did this at our year-end business meeting and celebration. We heard from so many people, it's so good to hear how God is working, that we want to share some of these things with you. And this is not a look at us and how great we are. I just want to name that up front. This is a look at God and how great he is time. And so for about the next 15 minutes, I just want to walk through some ways that we saw God at work and how he was faithful in our church family. And then we're gonna challenge you to do this individually as well. So you're not off the hook. But worship arts, we saw God work in our worship. Led by Chuck, our creative team was so innovative over the last 18 months. I mean, they went from in-person to online only and then creating services knowing that people were in the room and online. And I, wanna, I don't want to take for granted the fact that we are able to gather this year. 
We were not in this room at this time last year, and I thank God that we're back together. We've enhanced our streaming capabilities, and we've made improvements to our equipment with cameras and lighting and sound, and Glenn McRae, Mara Martin, Sue Cooper, they sit in that booth every Sunday, and they aren't seen, but they're so important. And yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah. And, and, and listen, this is what's fascinating about that. We gather in this room, but we cannot forget there are 700 people a week joining us online still. 700 people every week watching our services online. God's faithful, even in technology that allow more people to hear the good news of Jesus. This year, just as a reminder, we were in the word of God and we went through some series in January. We talked about our values in a series called Core. We then talked about the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. We talked about how to change our relationships, which really means we change ourselves. We talked about every generation, how all of us need each of us. We talked about Elijah and how one man of faith can make a difference in the world. We talked about Imago Dei and how everybody's created in the image of God. We studied 1 Thessalonians and then most recently, Advent in Isaiah. How great is it to stop and remember that the choir was able to be reformed and join in leading worship again? We're so thankful for that. God is at work also in raising up the next generation of leaders in our church. I hope you notice this, but there is an intentionality of putting young people on our stage. Chuck and his team have helped develop a high school worship team that leads on Sunday nights, and we'll have an intern starting in 2022 that will help lead the middle school ministry worship team. We believe in and want to build into the next generation. So we are grateful that we are able to gather again and worship the Lord. And if you're joining us online this morning, thank you for joining us. We're ready for you when you're ready to come back, but we recognize that for some of you, this is the best option right now. So we are grateful we get to do this together wherever we're located. And talking about this intergenerational idea that we build into the next generation, we saw God at work in our children's ministry, birth through fifth grade. It's led by Heather Kermeens and Jessica Schildman, who also oversees our family ministry team and serves on the senior leadership team. This team had the monumental task of rebuilding a volunteer team after not gathering for nearly nine months. And we're grateful for the volunteers, many of you who've come back to serve. It's another evidence of God at work. And I'll just make a shameless plug right now. If you would like to help build into this next generation, these young people, you can text right now the word serve to 217-546-4818. Just our phone number, you can text them. We'd love to talk to you about that. Heather and Jessica had the dual responsibility, just like the worship team of teaching in person on Sunday mornings and creating content for all the kids online with kids at home. And we want to show you just a couple pictures of what happens down the hall. They like, listen, they get pajama Sundays. How do, why do we not get that? Come on. We should have done that today. But Man, these kids love being down the hall and being downstairs, and our volunteers do such a good job of teaching these kids about King Jesus. It's so good. 
One of the highlights of the year was Vacation Bible Blast that we were able to bring back also, where 225 kids were able to be in this building and over 100 volunteers served. And we just wanna show you this short recap video of the Vacation Bible Blast from this last summer. Honest to goodness, it's just my opinion. It's one of the best things we can do as a church is build into this next generation and teach them what you just heard, that they're priceless treasures created in the image of God for a relationship with him. Oh my goodness. And these kids, those kids collected nearly $4,000, which was given to Refuge Ranch, which helps kids with disabilities and underprivileged kids. $4,000. And 60 kids who don't call Cherry Hills their home and their families were here that week and we were able to reach out to them. God was at work and we need to remember his faithfulness. The children's ministry also held parent-child dedications. I love this. During the pandemic, when we couldn't gather in person, Heather went around to people's houses and did doorstep dedications so parents could present their child to the Lord and declare they want to raise them to know Jesus. And then we're able to do that two times in person this year. And it's one of my favorite things we do is watch these parents make these commitments to point their kids to Jesus. We're excited for the return of our Way New Testament class and Tanakh Traveler fourth and fifth grade class that was online last year. By the time, I just want you to know this, by the time our kids graduate to student ministry, they have a great foundation of the Bible. They, they know their Bible. Our student ministry people tell us, man, these kids come in and they know their Bible. And we remember this morning and we thank God for how he was faithful in our kids' ministries. They graduate into student ministry and we saw God was faithful there. They meet on Wednesday nights. Our middle school ministry is led by Camden Trummel. They meet on Wednesday nights from six to eight. If you have a middle schooler here, that's a great way to get plugged in. Uh, in June, they went on a mission trip to Love the Loo, which is a, a ministry of restoration to reverse the trends of poverty and racism in the city of St. Louis. And our kids got to play a small part in that restoration. In July, they had events filled with fun and inviting, a night where kids were coated with chalk uh, called Hot Mess. 
this fall, they started a class on Sunday mornings called The Bridge, where middle schoolers learn why we gather and why, they learn the why behind the what we do as a church, so they can be integrated into the life of the church. On November 17th, 60 middle schoolers gathered for Friendsgiving. They celebrated uh, Thanksgiving together. And then a few days later, they had the middle school fall retreat at Little Galilee in Clinton, Illinois. And 30 kids attended. And they actually studied what we were talking about today with the Exodus and God's faithfulness to rescue his people. Just like I did with children's ministry, I'll just ask this. If you would be willing to serve in middle school ministries, to be a small group leader, to build into these kids, we would love to talk to you. First of all, there will be extra jewels in your crown for serving in middle school. <laughs> but you're important, and these are, they, are, they are so formative during this time. If you'd be willing, you can text the same word, serve, to 217-546-4818. But God was at work in middle school, and he was at work in high school. Led by Luke Martin, they gather on Sunday evenings from 6 to 8. If you're a high schooler, please get plugged into that. 39 high schoolers attended Fuge this last summer, and I'll just, you'll hear this again. They didn't get to do that in 2020. They were able to go to Fuge this last year and learn about God wanting to dwell with his people and how they can abide in him. Luke taught a, a Bible 101 study over the summer, hosted a freshman home group so we could get to know the kids. And then every week at their house, Mara and Luke have a senior group where they build relationship and walk through spiritual practices together. And that group always concludes with a trip called Senior Epic. And this trip was to Florida. And one of the destinations was Universal Studios. They just forge really fantastic relationships through this. On August 15th, high school ministry kicked off for the fall with The Great Escape, an escape room style competition with 60 high schoolers. And I had to put this up because the junior girls won. That's the junior girls. They, they won that. Just recently on December 18th, middle school and high school girls got together for the return of gingerbread. So things are coming back. We're building in to young people. Our family ministry team does a great job of engaging students and their parents, and it's good to look back and pause and recognize the faithfulness of God. Over the past year, Jenny Elliott and Jen House led our Connect and Care ministry team. Chad Reeser has come on staff, and he now leads this ministry area. We thank God for Chad, his wife Julie, and their kids, and bringing them to Cherry Hills. And when I say Connect, what I mean is we're talking about the experience someone has as a first-time guest to being actively involved into the life of the church. So we're talking about hospitality, guest engagement, groups, spiritual formation, care ministry, and welcoming and connecting people to our church family requires hospitality. We've taken steps this past year to create more life together opportunities and spaces. And Jen House will be assisting Jeff when he comes back. He'll be back January 1st with life group administration. But she is also now our first impressions director. So you'll see her in the lobby most Sundays along with other staff who would love to talk to you and pray with you. You've probably noticed, but over the past year, we've made some aesthetic changes to the lobby that are more welcoming and provide more life together spaces. There's seating areas where people can engage in conversation. Small groups meet throughout the week in the lobby as well. We brought coffee back. That may deserve a round of applause right there. Um, yeah, <laughs> coffee returned. I'm excited about that to answer your question. Yes, coffee can be brought in to the worship center. Just be careful, but enjoy a cup of coffee. We build a new Connect Center 
where people can stop by after the service. You hear us say this at the end of every message. Stop by the Connect Center to learn about the next step you can take in your faith. You can learn about what's going on in the life of the church. And you may say, well, does all that make a difference? How do you measure whether that was successful or not? And to provide you with some numbers, and numbers aren't always the end-all, be-all, but even over this past year, when things are still a bit crazy and unfolding and there's surges in COVID, we had 350 guests join us throughout the year. 350 people, 65 of those guests attended our Discover Cherry Hills class that meets each month to learn about who we are and what we believe. We were able to return to Sunday morning baptisms. We weren't able to do that for a year. And 40 people were baptized this last year. Yeah, 40 people. 40 40 people declaring they want to follow Jesus. Our Connect and Care Ministries help people get involved and take steps in their faith, and that involves getting involved in groups and in studies and classes. This fall, we offered a number of ways for people to take a next step in their faith, and what we've learned from Discover Cherry Hills with new people is one of the first questions people are asking when they come is, how do I get involved? How do I get involved? So we need to get them involved quickly. So just one word to us as a church family, if we see new people we don't recognize, engage, step into that, welcome them, be hospitable, invite them. We noticed we didn't have much to offer those who had significant questions about faith or who were brand new to following Jesus. So we began offering a course called Alpha for those who have questions about the Christian faith. And if you're here and you have questions about God or Jesus or the Bible or why you exist, Alpha is a safe place to ask those questions. It'll be offered again this February, but we saw God at work in that course. And we asked those of you who are followers of Jesus to take responsibility for your spiritual growth and determine what next step is right for you. Whether that's a life group that might be more focused on relationships or a Bible study or a class that might be more focused on learning and going deeper in God's word. And those will be offered again beginning next week. You can sign up beginning next week, but I'll ask you again, what's your next step? What's your next step to grow in your faith? God has been at work in our care and connect ministries, and we put those together because we've discovered that healthy groups and connection is the front line of care in our church. Groups provide unbelievable love and support. And another exciting way groups and care will intersect in 2022, Chad has done a great job of setting these up, but we'll be launching three care groups in the next year. Again, you can sign up next week. Uh, One is for grief care, those who have experienced loss during this time. One's for divorce care, and one is for individuals struggling with anxiety and depression. I believe God will work in significant ways next year through these groups. And I couldn't talk about our care ministries and how God was faithful and at work without mentioning our benevolence team. Many of you are aware that we take an offering on the first Sunday of each month called a benevolence offering for those who struggle in our church family and even outside of our church family. In 2021, benevolence helped 85 families and sent out over $70,000 to help those families. And that's only possible because of your generous giving. I love our benevolence team because it's a picture of the church at its best, loving one another. I'm so proud of Jenny, Jen, and Chad, who all did an outstanding job reworking this ministry area and positioning us to step into the new year, ready to connect and care. 
in ways that we haven't been able to in the past. And the last ministry area that I want to talk about and remember this morning where we saw God at work is surrendered living. We also call that missions for years. And as people grow in their faith and they take next steps, we want them to live surrendered lives. Whole life stewards is one of our core values. And this past year, in addition to leading care and connect ministries and serving on our senior leadership team, Jenny Elliott also led our local missions and surrendered ministries, living ministries. With Chad here now and leading Connect and Care, Jenny will be able to focus solely on surrendered living in 2022 and missions. I'll be handing off the leadership of global missions to her as well. She has a passion and desire for people to know Jesus, and I'm excited for her to operate in her sweet spot. For decades, we've made the commitment to support local and global missions. We want to be a kingdom-minded people, and that's why I'll just remind us 20% of our operating expenses every year are given to missions. This last year, over $650,000 was given to advance the name of Jesus locally and globally, and that doesn't count things like the special offerings where you've given $50,000 to the Fowlers. I love this about our church, that we are we are constantly thinking outside of our walls. But when we say missions, I want us to start thinking about ourselves as well, right? Not just organizations we support or partnerships we have around the world. We've started talking about this more and more, but I want us to see ourselves as sent people. We are joining Jesus in his mission. He's placed us in neighborhoods, families, workplaces, schools. We're on mission with Jesus to make disciples. And being a sent people means being an inviting people. And we're so thankful we were able to begin practicing inviting again this year. We were able to bring back some of our events that you can invite people to. In October, we held the Fall Fest. There were so many people there that I had no idea who they were, which is a great thing. You invited, and we want to keep inviting. We had a beautiful day, fantastic turnout. In November, we held our annual Thanksgiving service and food drive. Nearly 7,000 items were collected for the Contact Ministries Christmas giveaway. $1,700 given towards Christmas hams so that people could have a hot meal on Christmas. And on December 4th, we were able to once again host the Very Merry Christmas Party for all foster care families in Sangamon County. We had just under 300 guests and approximately 150 volunteers. And to give you a flavor of the outreach of that event and how God was faithful and at work that we were able to bring that back, I want to invite you to watch this video.
listen, I love looking out and seeing all your faces, but that day, December 4th, as I walked down the hallways, this thought crossed my mind over and over and over again. I don't recognize anybody. And that makes my heart explode with gratitude to God that he would bring people to our building that we could bless and honor and who do the hard work of foster care. And we just pause to thank God for that. We thank him for that. And just this past Friday night, we were able to gather for Christmas Eve, almost 900 people to turn our eyes to Jesus, the greatest gift we've ever been given. And I'll say it again, we were not able to do that in person in 2020. So we just, we're so thankful. We're so thankful, church. Those are just some of the ways we saw God at work this past year. And I know I didn't include every ministry area or every staff member and their ministry. I mean, I didn't talk about Tad and the, our facility is a ministry in itself. And I didn't mention that or Jenny, Jay, or Jean who help with student ministries, Eric, Michelle. I didn't talk about everything. I couldn't because God has done so much and works in so many different ways. It would be impossible to mention everything, but I hope today, I hope today provided you with a glimpse that God is at work and we have the privilege and responsibility of joining him in that work. And I wanna invite you to partner with us. I wanna invite you, what's your next step? Would you get involved, volunteer, serve, and partner with us to see people of every generation giving themselves fully to Jesus and his mission of making disciples. And we are excited to walk backwards with you into 2022, remembering God's faithfulness and looking forward to the new ways that God is going to work. Now, I told you you weren't off the hook yet, so that's corporate. And kids, I just apologize in advance because you're on Christmas break. You're not supposed to have homework, but I'm gonna give you homework. That's a corporate idea of God at work, but he works in our individual lives. And there are markers throughout the year that I believe if you pause and look back, you could say God was at work there. He was faithful there. It might be good times, might be bad times, but he was faithful. And your homework this week, kids, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, parents, spiritual fathers and mothers, take just a little bit of time and walk backwards into 2022. What are those times in your family where you saw God at work and he was faithful? So we're gonna pause for just a moment to let you start thinking about a couple of those things. I'll close this in prayer. We'll move into communion and close in a song. We'll give you just half a minute just to start thinking of those markers before God was faithful. God, thank you for your faithfulness. 
Thank you that you are always at work, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you are silent, you are not absent. God, we're grateful that we can pause to remember as a church family and as individuals that you are always with us, always working, always faithful. God, help us walk into this new year remembering that. God, we're thankful. Thankful to who you are and what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church or to get connected, please visit cherryhillsfamily.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us.